Come on, who's excited to be in church tonight? Come on, I feel like there's some people in the room thankful for Jesus. Come on, thankful for all he's done. Why don't you, um, why don't you just lift a hand or two towards God and close your eyes and open your heart. God, what a privilege it is, God, to be able to stand in a room and worship you, to lift up your name. God, and what a privilege it is to know that a God so big and a God so distant is also so close and near. And God, you care enough about each one of us, God, that your word, Lord, has been sent forth. Lord, to speak right now to where we are, to right now to what we're going through. And God, I pray tonight, Lord, our hearts are open and ready to receive. Lord, everything you're wanting to do tonight in Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, one more time. Can you give God a clap of praise? Oh, we thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Well, how are we doing in the balcony tonight? Oh, and all the good-looking people. Is this West Auckland up here? Let's go. How are we doing on the floor? We're doing all right. We're alive. Come on, we're in for a good night. Why don't you grab a seat? Grab a seat. Well, it's good to be out here at Akubis Church, back in the Mercury Theatre. Like Moore said, this has been a, the home of many God moments. This has been a home of many lives being touched, and uh, every time we gather together, we know that God wants to move, God wants to speak, and come on, whenever we look to the Word, whenever we turn to God's Word, we need to always do it with an expectation in our heart, with a hunger to say, God, speak to me, God, speak to my life, but I love the fact right now, we're in the middle, come on, of some incredible moments that God is doing right across our nation right across the world. I love the fact that, you know, as a Corpus Church, we got, on any given weekend, there's 50 plus services being held right across the globe, where lives are being touched, hearts are being transformed. Come on, thousands of people are being impacted right now as part of the move of God that we're a part of. That gets me excited. God's up to some good stuff. I heard the, uh, the royals are now in the country. I don't know what that means, but a lot of people are excited about it. Come on, Auckland finally won a title, come on. But more importantly, the Thames Valley Swamp Foxes took out the Heartland competition, so I'm just here to celebrate that. But God's up to some good things. In fact, God's moving in incredible ways. And one thing I've always come to realize and understand about God, even from an early age, is one, one thing I've had to get comfortable with is I've had to be comfortable with this concept, this idea that I'm never going to get my head fully around God. Like I'm never going to get my head fully around everything God is, everything God's wanting to do. And so with that in mind, I've got to understand that I've never got to get comfortable with my understanding of God, my, my current comprehension of who God is. I love the fact that even though there's great stuff happening, there's more to come. I love the fact that even God's moving in powerful ways. Come on, God, because we serve a God of more. We serve a God that is big. We serve a God that is stronger than all else, that nothing is impossible. I've got to believe in my heart this truth, that in God there's always more, that in God there's things to come. And, you know, a couple of... Um, a couple of Friday nights ago, I was out at our South Hub 
And uh, we're just hanging out, and I walk up and uh, talk to one of our year nine students. He goes by uh, Micah. And I walk up to him, and I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? Now what Micah does is he, he does this thing called by the gate at a school where but he, he turns up early, rallies other, uh, other classmates together, and they turn up to school, and they pray. Some of you might have heard it. We call it by the gate. They host a prayer meeting out the front of their school uh, before the day even starts, just praying for their school, praying for God to move. Now, Micah's only a year nine, and I want walked up to him and said, hey man, how's by the gate this uh, last week? And he looked at me and he goes, yeah, we had 41. And I'm like, come on, praise Jesus. I was like, looking at him, I'm like, you're the man, what God is doing is incredible. And he looks back at me with this look on his face and he's like, yeah, I mean, it was right, but we're believing for 100. And I was standing there, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what I thought too, like, let's go. <laughs> and I'm talking to this year nine, he's like, 41, great, we celebrate it, but come on, I know there's more. I don't know about you, and I don't know about your high school journey, but I know what didn't happen at my high school. Kids didn't turn up early and host a student-led prayer meeting out the front of their gate to pray blessing over their teachers and blessing over their school. I don't know about you, that didn't happen in my high school experience. And here's a kid at year nine rallying 41. From year 13 to year 9, right through 41 people to get up early and pray by the gate but stand there and go, this is great, but there is more. To stand there and go, this is good, but man, there is more. And I love the fact right now what's happening in Equipus Church, what's happening in our movement, what's happening through the lives of the people all throughout this great movement. There is good, but there is more. There is great stuff happening, but there is more. And I don't know about you, but I want to dedicate my life If I'm going to dedicate it to anything, I want to dedicate it to chasing after everything God has. Chasing after everything God has. There's a a scripture if we we go to the Bible, because that's always a good thing to do. And there's a scripture in 2 John 1 verse 8, and it says this, it says, Look to yourselves, that we might not lose the things we work for, but that we might receive a full reward. Everyone say, a full reward. A full reward. No, the other day, um, I had to go shopping, grocery shopping. It's not normally on my list of things to do, but it ended up on my list of things to do. And, and so I'm kind of out of my depth of the whole grocery shopping thing. And I, I went grocery shopping. And uh, I, I, I remember walking in the door, and uh, I had this naive thought in my mind. As I walked through the door, I looked at the shopping basket, and the, the thought in my mind was, oh, all I need is milk. And so I just looked at the basket and proceeded on by. And uh, I just started walking down the aisles. Now, as we all are aware, uh, there's people that have put science behind supermarkets to realize that, well, the milk and bread are why people commonly come. And so we're going to put them in the farthest corner, in the farthest corner of the supermarket. So I go in. I go in with my, the intended, oh, all I need is milk. Uh, and so I start walking down the aisle, and then there's like this sign that says, like, treat yourself. I'm like you know what, I need to treat myself. Oh, it's been a long week. I deserve a treat. And so I started treating myself, and, and then I started walking down, and I'm like, that's right, we need toilet paper. And so I swing past the toilet paper, and I get toilet paper, and we're going down. And the, the danger of going to the supermarket is when you go to the supermarket hungry. 
You should never go to the supermarket hungry. As I'm walking down the aisles, like, oh man, that looks good. And that looks good. And you ever found you? This used to happen to me all the time when I was like 20, 21. And, 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 then, and, then, and then for some reason, I just had a lapse. Uh, and, I, and I'm walking to the supermarket. And now at this stage, I'm like walking through the supermarket. My hands are like full. I'm trying to make it to the milk. I got like eggs rest, resting on top. I'm like the toilet paper. My treats are in there. And I'm walking through the supermarket. And, and, and you, don't want to, you don't want people to realize what you're doing. Like, you don't want people to look at you and be like, oh, that guy forgot the basket. <laughs> like, you don't want to be that guy. And so I'm like walking down aisles just acting like I got this thing together. In my mind, I'm like, don't drop it, don't drop it, don't drop it. And, and like, you get, to the, you, get to the, you get to the monk, and I'm kind of like, got the treats and the, the essentials, and I'm like, I don't want to give any of it up. It's all essential to me. Uh, and and uh, I'm standing there, and, uh, and so I'm like propping my shopping against the wall so I can grab the monk, and I'm trying to figure out what can fit in my pockets. And I'm walking through the aisles, and, uh, and I just walk out. Like, I walked in with this mentality like, oh, all, all I'm here for is monk. And I walk out like this, just stumbling my way through the supermarket. And I, I also came to realize when, when I came to know Jesus, I entered this thing with, with quite a small kind of understanding of what's available. I kind of entered the whole Christian walk in my life by understanding that Jesus died for my salvation. And if I repent of my sins, then I receive salvation. Now that's the starting point. That's where it all began. But the further I journey on this journey with God and journey on the journey with Jesus, I realize, yeah, I might have come in just for the salvation, but there's so much more to offer. Like there's so much more to get my hands on. And I don't know about you, I, I, I don't want to just walk out of this life with my monk. As I get to heaven, God, I got my monk. I, 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 I want to walk out of this life just like trying to stumble. Like, can somebody give me a hand? I can't. And the scripture ends on saying, come on, let's not lose, but obtain what? Our full reward. Our full reward. Now, the fact that it says full reward tells us something. That there's also partial reward. Because he, he doesn't just say, make sure you take, get our rewards. He says, no, leave with what full reward. So it leaves us to understand, well, we could get a full reward, we could get a partial reward, or we could also get no reward. And I know, I know what side of the spectrum I want to live my life on. Because when you look at the Bible, we don't have time to unpack this, but you look through the Bible, God is a God who wants to give us rewards. God is a God who wants to give us blessings. And he, when it comes to rewards, he talks about how there's rewards for the age, there's a rewards for in heaven, there's rewards for what's to come. But he also talks about how there's rewards here on earth, that we receive rewards here on earth. And tonight I want to talk to you about how does it that we go about accessing the rewards here on earth? getting hold of what God has for me on earth. And, and whenever I'm, I'm posed with this idea of, of well, God, if, if I can get a partial reward or a full reward or no reward, well, God, how do I go about accessing what it is you have for me? How do, and I kind of realize the best thing I always do when I have questions is I go to the Gospels. Because the gospels show me Jesus here on earth and show me what God did while he was here on earth. And it helps me to bring understanding. And we look in the scriptures and, and we see, well, how, how did different people, as you look through, the, how, as you look through this, the gospels, you see different interactions with Jesus 
people lift with different levels of experience. Some lift receiving all they came for. Some lift with some of what they came for. And some lift missing out altogether. When it came to their interaction with Jesus, some got it all. And I started looking through the scriptures and I started to go, well, what is it about those who received everything and what was it about those who received something and those who received nothing? And so tonight I want to look at a couple of moments in, in the Gospels. And if we, if we look, if we just jump in here, we'll just, we'll just start right down this end of the spectrum. If we look at Mark, the book of Mark in verse 6 tells us, tells us a story. Some of you, if you've been in church for a, a period of time, you'll be familiar with the story. But it tells a story of when Jesus came to his hometown. When Jesus returned to his hometown. Not the town he was born in, but the town he was raised in. The town he was educated in. The town he grew up in. And it talks about how Jesus came to his hometown, but was limited. And in Mark 6, verse 4 to 5, it says this. Jesus said to them, that he's talking to his disciples at the moment. He said, a prophet without honor is without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and at home. And then it says, this, this, is, an interesting, this is an interesting statement. He says, he could not do any miracles here except lay a hand on a few sick people and heal them. Now, the real interesting statement in that whole thing that gets me is the fact that it says he could not do. It doesn't speak to the unwillingness of Jesus. Because Jesus is always willing. God, God, God wants to pour out his blessing on all. God wants to pour his spirit out on all people. There, there's this in the moment, it says he could not. So it's not speaking to the willingness of Jesus. But to understand that their attitudes towards Jesus was actually restricting what he could do. It didn't hinder what he wanted to do, but it hindered what he actually could do. I'm going to realize that God wants me to take hold of everything. God wants me to live the life he's called me to live. But I actually have a, a role to play in accessing and enabling God to do that through my life. God to outwork that through my life. And if we, I just got to open up my Bible here because the old copy and paste cut half the scripture out. Just leave my secrets out there, you know. I feel like we're on a journey tonight together, so. But if we jump in at the start of this scripture, and at the start of this passage, just read this. In Mark 6, starting from verse 1, Jesus left there and went to his hometown. Accompanied by his, oh man, I need a drink. Pause, team, pause. Just talk amongst yourselves about the royals if you want. We're we back. All right, all right. We got the scripture. We got a voice. All right, let's do this. Come with me. Here we go. In, the, in 6 verse 1, it says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogues, and many and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom? What's this wisdom that he's been given? That's an interesting question. What's his wisdom to be given? Why? Because they knew they were there when Jesus, they, they, they were there when Jesus was raised and taught. They sat in class with Jesus. And I'm like, hey, 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 we didn't learn that in school. Like that was not a math. Like, 
Either that or I wasn't in math. Either way, that, that didn't happen. And, he, and, and so the, in this question, the, in the, in the, they're grappling with this. They're recognizing that somewhere Jesus has gotten divine wisdom. And so they say, well, how, because of how they phrase it, that has been what? Given to him. What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? And, and so you start this conversation like, man, this guy's amazing. Like, this dude is like, awesome. Like, look at the divine wisdom and the divine miracles. Like, they, they, they were willing to acknowledge the, the divine nature of how he was operating. They, they're willing to divide, acknowledge that he has divine wisdom and he has divine power. But then the conversation takes a turn. It says, hey, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't that Mary, the son and brother of Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, uh, Judas, and Simon? Hey, aren't his sisters here with us? You ever, like, been in the movies before? You know, you've been in the movies. Let's start there. Just get everyone on the same page. Been in the movies. You ever been in the movies and... Um, and, and, and gone with a group of friends and watched a movie, and, and you're sitting there like, yeah, this is a pretty good movie. Like, this is a pretty good movie. Like, yeah, it's all right. It could be better, but it's pretty good. And then you walk out of the movie, and you turn to your mate, and you're like, hey, what did you think? They're like, oh, it was rubbish. And you're like, on the side, you know, I thought it was rubbish too. <laughs> you can kind of see this dialogue happening here. First, they're like, this Jesus guy's amazing. Look at the wisdom. Look at the power. And then one of them's like, yeah, but isn't that just Jesus? And then they're like, oh, yeah, no, nah, it's just Jesus. And the conversation goes from being amazed at what Jesus is doing, being amazed at who Jesus is, to now they're becoming, what, they're becoming comfortable and they're retreating back to their understanding of who Jesus was. And the conversation carries on from there and it says, isn't, aren't his sisters with us? And then, and then it says this, and then they took offense at him. Interesting conversation. They start with acknowledging that he has something from God. Then the conversation reminds them of their familiarity with Jesus. And now that they're familiar with Jesus, they're now taking offense at what Jesus was saying. Whereas at first they were like, this is amazing. But now that they start to think about it, we become familiar. And because we become familiar, the next step is offense. Because how can someone speak like that who I'm familiar with into my situation? And it all just started on this journey of being amazed, but over time. See, this is like a short, this is like an instant of what can happen over time. That we come into church and we're like, this is amazing. That is awesome. We come to salvation with Jesus. Jesus, you're good. And then we hang around for a while, and sometimes there's a bit of familiarity that now creeps into our heart and starts to create. And, and then we got mates who are like, yeah, now don't get, don't get like that carried away with that God thing. Like, don't get that crazy about this old. No, you also got to take care of yourself. Like, they say, give it all, give your life. Come on, you also, you know, you, you got to take care of you. And, and, and then the conversation, and then there comes a point of familiarity, and then Jesus tries to speak to us, and, and, and instead of being obedient, we're now offended. Why? Because of our viewpoint of Jesus. 
our viewpoint of who Jesus was. And then the, Jesus opens up, comes in with that text we read earlier, saying there was only a few people healed, and then it says, he was what? He was amazed at their lack of faith. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus could only do a few and was amazed at their lack of faith. And you see, you start to see a picture in this first story we're looking at. And we see the fact that those who approached Jesus, it wasn't those who didn't know Jesus. It was those who knew Jesus but became familiar with Jesus. Like they had settled on their conclusion of all Jesus is and all Jesus can do. I want to make sure in my life I never conclude God in my head. Like I never go, okay, that's God and that's what God does. Why? Because God's beyond my comprehension. God's beyond, I never want to get to a point where I'm like, that's God and that's how God does. But their familiarity with him, what did it do? It took the honor out of their life towards Jesus. And so because they could not place honor on him, they could not place value on him, they could not place their honor towards him, faith was lacking. See, I come to realize this to be true. How I approach Jesus matters. My approach towards God, the word of God and who God is, dictates what I receive from God. You ever sat in a service and someone's on the edge of their seat like, this is awesome. And you're kind of looking up from Facebook like, what's awesome? Why? Because the approach towards the the word dictates what they get from it. And I don't know about you, I want to get everything Jesus has for me. What does it mean? Well, this whole concept you start to see in Scripture is those who honor Jesus and bestowed the highest honor, received the greatest rewards from Jesus. Because it's honor that unlocks faith, and it's faith that releases heaven here on earth. But it's honor, it's those who would put honor towards Jesus, that would approach him with honor. You see, honor can be said in a few different ways, and we know honor is what you choose to put your weight behind or what you choose to put value behind. But one writer, one ancient writer, one looking into Greek language, he, he concluded this about honor is honor can be displayed in action, word and even thought, but all true honor originates in the heart. I can honor you with my thoughts, I can honor you with my actions, I can honor you with my words, but true honor originates in my heart. That's why Jesus says that, that they worship me with their lips, but they honor me with their lips, but they what? Their hearts are far from me. They have an action, but their action doesn't represent their hearts. And true honor, this writer would say, is true honor is birthed in the heart. Birth in the heart. These people honored Jesus enough to turn up to the synagogue and hear him talk. But because honor wasn't birthed in their hearts, they didn't receive from Jesus everything they could receive. And if we just look at the, if we just look at just what Jesus did before he turned up home, like what he did before he turned up home, we, we run into some crazy stories. The first one, 
In, in, the, in Mark 5, we won't read it out, but what we find here is the first one is, the first miracle in Mark 5, we find that right before Jesus turns up home, we find what? We find a lady who had been bleeding for 12 years, who was desperate to get something from Jesus, who pushed through the crowd with the mentality, if only I could touch him, I would get everything I needed. And in a moment was healed. In a moment received everything. Jesus was wearing the same cloak at home. He was wearing the same garment at home. But somebody got a few and a lady got everything. Why not? It wasn't a different Jesus. He didn't put on his like backup cloak. <laughs> I had to put that one in the washer. This one's a little less powerful, but I'll see what can happen. It was the same cloak. What was different in the situation? The heart of the approach. The heart of the woman's approach. And then we carry on, and Jesus is walking this way. Why? Because some parents have come to him and said, hey, our girl, our girl is sick, our, our, our child is, is dying, and we need you to come to our house. And so Jesus on the journey when this moment with this lady happens, and then we get down where, where Jesus arrives at the house and the news comes out. Oh, Jesus, don't, don't bother because the girl, the girl is dead. The girl, the girl is no longer with us. And uh, then Jesus says this. He looks at the people and he says, don't be afraid, just believe. But then if we jump in, he says, he went inside and he saw the commotion and the wailing and then he said this interesting statement. He said, the child is not dead, but asleep. And then Mark 5, verse 40, says this. He says, and they laughed at him. And they laughed at him. Jesus turns up and says, hey, hey, I've just miraculously healed this girl and comes in here. And he's like, hey, and now I'm go- this, she's not dead. She's asleep. Don't worry. And their response is, their attitude is what? They laugh at him. Like, who, do you, who do you think you are? <laughs> like, she's dead. <laughs> like, I don't see you're a doctor. I know you got Luke with you, but you're, you don't. And, and then what happens next? Jesus says, and then he put them all outside. And he took the mother and father and the disciples and went in. What? And then he said to the girl, wake up. And she was healed. And I remember reading this. And saying, God, I don't want you to have to put me outside. When it comes to what you want to do in my life, I don't want to be put outside. Because I I failed to believe what you could do. I I don't want to let my lack of approach or my my dishonor and my approach towards you and what's possible to put me outside. he, He put everyone outside. What? They didn't honor what he was saying. Why? Because we see it in the next passage. If there was an honor, there is no faith. And if there is no faith, there is no miracle. And so he said, hey, what we need to do here, it's not just that he wanted to do it privately. He said, I have to take all the dishonor and just put it out here. Because we're about to do something supernatural. Supernatural. We see it right throughout Scripture time and time again where people would approach Jesus, where people would approach him 
with an attitude of honor, they would what? They would receive. And it's honor in our life that unlocks something of heaven. And it's how, so the question I really want to pose to you tonight is this. How are you approaching Jesus right now? Is it casual? Is it like, uh, I kind of approach this whole church thing like it's a good idea, it makes me feel good, kind of gets me through the week? Or is it, man, there's a divine God out there who created the heavens and the earth, who wants to live inside my life, live intimately with me, and what an honor it is to even call on your name. I can tell you the experience you have in your walk with God is not based on what God wants to do in your life. God wants to do great things. The question is, do you approach Him in a way that allows Him to? Do you approach Him with a heart that allows Him to move, that allows Him to speak? It's crazy because there's another story that, that talks about how a Roman, a Roman uh, officer came and now, because we understand that I'm a Bible-believing guy, so we know that faith, what comes from the Word, Faith comes from hearing and hearing by what? The Word of God. But the reality is, is you see this, you see this passage where a Roman officer comes and kneels at the feet of Jesus and says, one of my guys is sick, I cannot. And then he looks at Jesus and says, I don't need you to come with me. I just need you to say the word because I'm a man of authority and I know you, if I honor your word, if I honor what you're saying, it will be done. And I'd beg this, I'd, 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 I'd suggest to say this, the Roman officer, the, the one who's actually, Jesus is a Jewish carpenter, a Roman officer humbled himself in front of a Jewish man and acknowledged who Jesus was. I'd say he heard less scripture than the disciples, than the people in his hometown. Why? Because he's a Roman. Heard less scripture, but with the little he knew and the weight he chose to put behind the little he knew, he saw God do a great thing. Hearing doesn't just come by the amount of word that you, faith doesn't come by the amount of word you hear, but I'd say but the weight you choose to put behind the word you hear. The weight you choose to put behind the weight you hear. Some of us, we receive words from God, but because we put no weight behind it, we don't let it have an impact on our life. We don't align our life to it. It doesn't have the impact and the effect Jesus hoped it would. But then we, Jesus kind of changes this whole thing up a little bit in Matthew 10, verse 40, where he says this, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's word. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, what shall receive a righteous man's reward? And whoever gives to these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, I say to you, he shall, know, he shall by no means lose his reward." We start looking at the Gospels and we see this fact, if I'd honor God, if I'd honor God, it creates access to heaven on earth. But then what Jesus does is then he ties himself. So I understand now I need to honor Jesus. I need to give my life to valuing God and honoring God. But then Jesus ties himself to people and says, in fact, if you want to honor me, 
you need to honor those who I sinned. Like if you want to honor me, you need to honor those what around you. And in honoring the people around us, in turn, what are we doing? We're honoring God. And on the flip side, in dishonoring the people around us, what are we doing? We're dishonoring God. And then we wonder why there's not an open heaven above our world, because we're trying to honor God, but our dishonor towards people is actually part of our dishonor towards God. It's like, you can make this a whole lot simpler, Jesus, please. But he ties himself to people. And one writer says this, when he took he says a prophet, a righteous man, and these little ones. Suggests this that Jesus is trying to paint a picture of who to honor. And the picture is this in the mind of the Jewish people is everybody. <laughs> because he says he says the prophet, you need to honor the leaders above you. You need to honor leadership above you. And we look through the word, we find this picture that we need to honor those that, that God puts in leadership. They want to honor those who God puts in authority. That is my boss at work. That is those in church. That is those in the world. Anyone that God puts in authority says we need to honor those. And in honoring those who lead us, we, what? we receive a certain reward. But then he goes, and you need to honor a righteous man. So talking to the people he's talking, he goes, hey, you need to honor those around you. You need to live your life honoring the people around you, those near you, those, because how you treat them ultimately is how you treat me. Because how you treat the creation is a reflection of how you're going to treat the one who created them. And then he finishes with this. He finishes with the little ones. He says, hey, honor those above you, honor those around you, and then the little ones, you actually need to honor those. Who are the little ones in your world? Or it can be in, interpreted as those in your care, those in your trust, those on your teams you lead at work, those in the people you've been putting, how you honor them is important. But then Matthew 25 verse 40 says, and Jesus, uh, this is Jesus return, uh, replying, he says, truly I tell you, this is a bit later on, Whatever you do for the least of these, brothers and sisters, you do to me. In the moment, he's talking about prisoners. He's talking about widows. He's talking about, why? Because in the minds of Jewish people, what? They were the least of these. These were the least of the people in society. And the question for all of us that that poses, well, to me, who's the least of these? Who's the least of these? For some of us, maybe it's a politician we disagree with. So oh, we just write them off. It's the least of these. Some of us, it's those people at uni that have opposing thoughts to ours. So no, to me, they're the least. For some celebrities, it might be a solo mom at home to a solo mom at home. It might be businessmen. It might be, but in your world, Jesus is saying, hey, whoever you consider to even be the least, that's who I'm calling you to honor. That's who I'm calling you to put value behind to put weight in your life behind. I was moved, just the band want to come and join me. I was moved recently, just something happened a couple, couple of weeks ago. My, my, my grandfather passed away and we were, we were at his funeral and something interesting happened. Is uh, a bouquet of flowers turned up to the church 
And uh, one of my aunties read the card, and the card was just to, just to the family, to our family, just saying condolences, da-da-da-da. But the real, the real eye-catcher for me was who the card was from, who the flowers were from. It was, it was from the roast shop. It was the people at the roast shop down the road from my grandfather. We occasionally he'd go down and get a roast. And I remember looking at it and thinking, how does a man have to treat a roast shop worker to move them to a point that when he passes away, they hear about it, find out, and we go, man, we need to give something to that family. How does a man treat someone who we just look past? I got thinking about this and thought, man, Jesus has this interesting thing going on because we, in one moment, it's how you approach Jesus matters. And then the next minute he's saying, but how you approach people matters. How you approach God matters deeply. But Jesus just as deeply how you approach people matters. Why? Because all people are created by God. And in all people, God has put value inside them. And I've kind of realized there's people in my world who have things, rewards in store for me, that if I would put honor on them, I could receive from them. God's put gifts and graces and anointings and inside all sorts of people. But the way I access everything God has for me well, is by putting value and honor in all those around me. How are you going with the least of these? How are you going to honoring the bosses, the leadership, the management? How are you going the way you act, think, and talk about those around you. As Jesus says, how you honor those is how you honor me. And I'm by, by all means no expert at this, but on a journey of going, God, I want everything. And if this honor unlocks something in heaven, God, we need to dedicate our lives to honoring you and honoring those around me those around me, and just, just as we finish and pray. Like I said, I never want to conclude my concept of Jesus, my concept of God. He's bigger, more mysterious than, than I'd ever know. And there's an old writer that says, how a man answers this question, what do you think about God, is the most important question he'll ever answer in his heart. Because how you answer that question determines how you respond to him, how you act towards him, how you connect with Him, the honor you would bestow upon Him. And uh, just a couple of days ago, I was in Wellington, and uh, a year ago, I gave up drinking coffee. It's the first time I've been back to Wellington since. A little tempted, not going to lie. But uh, I found out there's not really much to do in Wellington if you don't like coffee. And so I'm walking around like, what do I do? And so we're like, oh, we'll go to the movies. Anyway, we go into the movies. We, we watch this movie. It was more to get out of the wind. But we go, we go to this movie, and uh, it's one about the landing on the moon. And, uh, that, and an interview caught me, caught my attention, because it's the interview when they're interviewing Neil Armstrong, whether he, needs to be, whether he can become an astronaut or not. And they ask him this question, why do you want to explore space? Why is 
space exploration important to you? And he answers quite interesting. And in, in, in summing it up, he was a part of a part of a crew that used to test and do research on the atmosphere, the ozone layer. And he said this, he said, standing on earth, you look up and it looks really big, really big. He said, but actually once you get up there and you start to research it, you realize that it's actually quite thin and it's not that big after all. And he goes, when I discovered that, it shifted my whole perspective on earth. Why? Because now I see how frail and knitted together this earth is in this giant space, this little layer is holding our little planet together. Whereas on earth, I was like, oh yeah, it's big, it's good. And he didn't have respect or an honor for it until he started to explore it. And he goes, I, I think space exploration is important, not, not because of what we're going to find, but because the perspective it's going to give us and the viewpoint it's going to give us that perhaps we'll see stuff on earth we should have seen a long time ago. And the exploring of the unknown gives them a greater vantage point to what is known. And I've come to realize in my heart, in my life, in the exploring of the unknown and allowing my mind to remain in a space of where I just want to explore what God has for me. It brings a greater perspective to what I already know about Jesus. One of the greatest things I would regret is if I stand before Jesus and He says, well done, it was good. But there was so much more. And if you had to just put more weight and value behind what I was saying, you could have received so much more. I want to dedicate my life to putting as much honor and value and trust behind the Word of God, behind what God's trying to do in my life, behind what God's trying to do in our community. Why? Because if we would do that, it could unlock something where we could what, receive the fullness of what God's trying to do. I don't want to leave. I don't want to turn up to heaven with my monk. Be like, hey, Jesus, I got here. I got my monk. It's trim, but it should be all right. I want to turn up like, hey, Jesus, we're here. <laughs> and I'm full. I'm full. Earth was awesome. There's some struggles, but God, what you did was awesome. Come on, why don't we jump to our feet tonight? I just want to leave you with this question right now. How's your approach towards God? Has your approach towards God become a bit familiar, just become a bit routine, become a bit ordinary? In fact, the word dishonor means what? To treat as ordinary. And in treating as ordinary, what? I dishonor. As if I just treat these environments, I just treat what? I just treat it as ordinary. What am I doing? I'm dishonoring. But if I would honor, I'd place value on, I'd put my weight behind it, we could see miracles happen. We could see God move. How's your approach towards God? Maybe the question for you is, how's your approach towards the people around you, above you, beneath you? And you're in the room tonight, you're just saying, I, I recognize that perhaps I need to adjust my heart towards honoring God or honoring those around me. Why don't you just lift a hand towards Jesus? Because the danger is we go out and try and be really nice people, which is good, but... Bible says true honor what is birthed in the heart is birthed in the heart so God I pray right now you would birth honor Lord a greater dimension of honor in all of our hearts Lord you'd come in right now Lord 
And God, even open up minds towards how big and great and divine and glorious you are. Oh God, forgive us when we've tried to shrink you down, when we've tried to get our heads around you, when we've thought less about you than we should. But God, tonight we choose to allow our lives to not treat you as just another voice, not just to treat you as suggestion, not just to treat you as good opinion. But God, tonight we treat you as Lord. We treat you as King. Lord, we could treat you as our ruler. God, we put honor towards you tonight, Jesus. Come on, church, can you just sing towards God tonight? Come on, can you just allow your worship to go in this moment? Come on, can you just honor God out of your own heart, out of your own life? Come on, maybe you wanna, come on, just allow your mind to explore the distant things of God, the size of God. Come on, just allow some worship to go tonight. 